All right, folks, welcome back to Lays Mountains Wire Football Podcast. MWWire.com is our website. You know who it is, Jeremy, Matt, hanging out. We are, Matt, two Saturdays, aw- well, yeah, two Saturdays away, basically three weeks from the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Finally, right, I guess, sir? Sort of. Air Force already played, but does that really count all that much? I don't know. Hey, they're 1-0 on, on ESPN and every other platform where you look for the standings, so yeah, it counts. All right, that's good. So here's what we're doing today. Uh... We're going to kind of re... The schedule came out. We talked about that a bit last week. We'll talk about a few schedule things going forward for each of these teams. We're going to do... If you looked on Twitter, I can't do my alphabet. This is whole map. But we're doing the first six, and the next week, the next six. Just so it's a, kind of a redo of our predictions, because Matt, we only got eight games now instead of the 12 or 13, what teams are playing. We had the schedule a little bit different. We're kind of, I guess we're going to update our predictions... And a little bit of news with fall camp with camp that's happening right now, which is uh, typically Matt. I'm not a fan of this, but typically mostly just through the uh, official school website, which I'm not a fan of getting my only information from a place I want to provide good information or positive information. Yeah. So that's uh no, we should do real quick. Hold on, we're recording Sunday. I know you you like the NFL, right? You're uh, I do mostly. Did you see it happen to Washington today? I did. Alex Smith is back on the field. The only Utah player, part of the Mountain West, I believe, if I'm correct, got the play. I don't, I don't see how he played. I just saw a little bit ago that he got in. After gruesome injury, He, for those who don't know, he played in 03 and 04, took Utah to the BCS, whooped up on Pitt, Heisman finalist. I don't. Did you ever watch his, uh, was it Project 11 documentary at all, about a few months ago? I did not get a chance to, unfortunately. Apparently, like, his injury, like, Worse than Joe Theismann, which people compare it to because he's out of Washington. Like, he went to an Army hospital. near. Basically, they thought it was a war injury. Had to possibly have his leg amputated. And what was the yeah. number? It was like 600-plus days? It was something like that, yeah. It is... For him to even be this close is ridic- remarkable. And so, we wanted to bring that up because, hey, former Mountain West guy in the NFL doing good. And nobody thought, or very few, he thought, because he got a pretty good contract with Washington... Played the rookie season, Pat Mahomes did pretty good with the Chiefs, but he actually got to play. And let's just say he's going to be comeback player of the year because he played one snap. I I said, like, if he gets a kneel down, he'll get comeback player of the year. You think so, so? Why not? Who else is going to get it? I guess I'd have to go back and think of, like, who's coming back from serious injury. It'll take a minute, but that's, like, the most obvious. So we'll see. But it's, it's some good news. So after all the, uh, not that we're an NFL show, but this morning, schedule change, which. Welcome to college football, NFL. You should have realized this for Major League Baseball and CFB, right? University of Houston. They really should just do what the Mountain West is planning to do and just cancel games, especially if if, if the impression that I got is we're talking about the Tennessee Titans in particular. Um, They kind of messed up (laughs) in in a way, right? Yeah, don't have those uh, unauthorized workouts at the high school, guys. Yeah, maybe don't do that. Yeah, so Mountain West, guys, if you're COVID positive, contract tracing, just chill where you're supposed to chill. We don't want to. We want to see as many games as possible happen. And so we don't. So if you're out there working out, be safe. We already see like we'll talk about CSU. They had a handful of players sitting out. Uh, it's going to happen. Like we don't know who or what, but there's going to be like Craig Thompson said. There's going to be a game that gets canceled. Nothing can be postponed or replayed. I doubt there be. The only way I could think of it as we get their schedule because the schedule what we have. It's every Saturday Matt. They're gonna say Thursday and Saturday Thursday, Friday, Saturday games. So maybe we talked about this last week, a Thursday game could go to Saturday possibly. That's like the mm-hmm. ex- the most extent of any sort of um schedule adjustment. But 
yeah, I tried to read through what the NFL said. We're changing all these games. I'm like, all right, good luck. I'm not on those teams, but good for them to figure out who's playing when. But yeah, be- better them than than us having to figure that out. Yeah, I saw the tweet. I'm like, uh, just read this. Here you go. <laughs> it's pretty wild. All right, so we just get to it real quick. Let's do it. We're gonna talk. Here's the teams. I have my document in front of me. Air Force today, Boise State, Colorado State, Fresno State, Hawaii, and Nevada. So we're going to talk about all those teams today. Mostly redo our schedule predictions, a little bit of fall camp, a little bit of news updates. But you want to start off, Matt? we got Air Force, as you mentioned, is 1-0. Mm-hmm. So anything you want to add or talk about with them? Because they opened up at San Jose State in the, the 24th. I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting because I think – when we talked about the Falcons originally over the summer, you and I were, um, let's say, a little divided on how we thought the the Falcons twenty season was going to look. Um, you know, but, you know, based on the fact that they were having to replace so many players, and you know, since then, of course, you know, Donald Hammond isn't in good standing. You know, they lost all of their defensive starters from last year, mm-hmm. which is, you know, as we talked about in the recap of, of their win over Navy, that didn't necessarily mean that they have like no players coming back. But, you know, I, I was a little dicey as to whether the defense was going to be able to keep up with whatever offensive momentum they had in, uh, intact, which in my mind was basically the offensive line and, you know, the, the, the depth at running back and at fullback. So it, it, to me, I look at their schedule and all of a sudden I'm kind of wondering, you know, I, I wasn't totally sold on, on their dark horse bona fides mm-hmm. going into the, you know, the original schedule. But I look at, you know, they're at San Jose state, which I don't think is going to be a gimme. Um, you know, I think if, if San Jose state is a little more balanced on offense, they can definitely um, challenge them through the air in the same way that Navy was you know, somewhat erratic, but they were able to connect on at least a couple of big plays. So, you know, going on the road, I think in week one, isn't necessarily going to be an easy task, but then, you know, you've got Boise state in week two, which is essentially, you know, the same spot where they were originally in, um, in the original schedule, you know, all the, you, you beat the Broncos and all of a sudden you've got a driver. You basically got a driver's seat, I think, to one of the two spots in the championship game because you look at the rest of their schedule. You know, Army's not going to count against them if they lose that game. Um, and then I would say that, you know, the rest of their Mountain Division opponents, you know, at Wyoming is not going to be easy, but it may not be as tough as we expected it to be because of the fact they're missing players yeah, like what, three um, starters for, for numerous reasons. Yeah. Like, you know, injuries, you know, opt-outs. COVID stuff, opt outs and things like that. And then, you know, home versus New Mexico, home versus Colorado state, you know, Colorado state, I think we're both expecting them to be improved, but you know, now we're talking about the Rams without Warren Jackson among mm-hmm. other people. So all of a sudden, Air Force. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I, yeah, I, I rag on you a little bit from your. Hey. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. From from back over the summer, but I think when you look at their schedule as a whole, obviously there's no gimmies, but I don't really look at their schedule and see any impossibilities. So, like, is it like a, I don't know, a two or three percent chance that they run the table? Sure. But I think that that's more than I would have said back in like June or July when we started talking about them to begin with. Yeah, right now I got ESPN's FPI up because that's out. Um, mm-hmm. 0.9% chance of winning out. Um, their record, actually, it's going to be different than mine. This includes uh, the Navy one, obviously. 4.8 mm-hmm. wins to 3.2, which is like middle of the pack, or top third. Like, the game's like, I'm surprised, like, not that we, 
we're talking conference stuff, but the Army game, they are given only 39% chance to be, beat Army on the road, and that seems way too low to me. <laughs> like, I don't Army's be- looked pretty good so far this year. I think that's most of where it comes down to. Like, it, I think you can maybe um, you know, throw some questions up about who they have played to this date, but there's really not a lot of doubt that Army's been able to kind of run over as you would expect um you know the, the people that they played like you know they have 17 touchdowns on the ground mm-hmm. you know they played five games they're averaging five and a half yards per carry so played Cincy you know, after, pretty close yeah I mean yeah after the down year that they had last year yeah they played Cincinnati close I think that was far and away their toughest uh, opponent so far you know yeah I think the fact that they played two FCS schools kind of tells you a lot yeah. Um, well, then they, I think they one str- they did struggle a little bit with Citadel yesterday. Yeah, fourteen to nine. Fourteen to yeah. nine. So I think that they've still got some uh, some offensive questions to to answer. But you know they've been more efficient on offense on the whole than they were most of last year, and it looks like the defense is much improved. So you know if they can defend the run as well as they have, like even you know Cincinnati's probably better on on defense than on offense at this point but they held cincinnati under two yards per carry yeah i think if they can turn the air force game into that same kind of fist fight then you know they might be in a chance to capture the commander-in-chief's trophy when they face navy later on in december could be i felt a bit like maybe close to 45 percent something closer had army been able to play byu we'd know it a bit more you know they actually play three fcs teams they got uh Albling Christian Citadel and Mercer. Mercer's FCS, right? Am I correct on that? Yes, I'm pretty sure. Okay, yeah. I did, there's been some changes, so I'm just making sure in a couple. But I thought it'd be a touch higher. But the like Wyoming you mentioned, like they're an underdog at Wyoming because they'll still be okay. Like Wyoming's still going to be good. Like they're going to play two quarterbacks. We talked about Sean Chambers, Levi Williams. Uh, defense even losing those couple starters, but then again, you add that with like losing um, Logan Wilson. Was it Cash Muela up to New England got drafted? They lost a yeah. couple guys, and so that could be like really five or six starters gone. But well, I mean, I think they're going to have to reload. But again, you're going up against a run option attack, which is much different, which seems to be like four deep. And so, like you're right, the schedule's a bit. It's pretty it sets up pretty nice after Boise State. Um, Boise's won. I, I know Boise Air Force. Wait, um, Boise's won what the past two or three? Correct, I believe it is something like yeah, that. Yeah, I believe so. And I mean, if you're if you're looking at some of the advanced metrics, you know, obviously there's still um, a lot of forecasting to be done. But, you know, I think we, we mentioned it very briefly in passing, I think, last week we talked about the win over Navy. But the fact that the Falcons came back from, you know, being ranked in right around the middle of the pack back in like January or February by SP Plus, and then they fell to the triple digits. And then with their win over Navy, bounced right back up to right around the middle of the pack. You know, I think right now, if you look at the splits between offense and defense by SB plus, you know, there's probably still a little bit of work to be done on the offensive side. But again, when you look at what their their biggest strengths, I think were expected to be coming into the season, you can be optimistic about their chances to improve that. And when you compare, you know, their SP plus standing with pretty much everybody else on their schedule besides Boise State, who you know, I'm sure we'll touch upon it more, but they're number one in the Mountain West right now by that same metric. You know, you could feel good about the Falcons' chances to be competitive, and maybe they should be a favorite more often than not. And by 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 FEI, which is a similar kind of advanced uh, metric for measuring efficiency, again, they've only played one game, but 
you know, among the teams that have played and even among those who haven't played, they're currently 23rd. And that is, I believe, right around where they ended up last year. So I think for all of the questions that you can levy against the Falcons, the fact that they came out, they played like gangbusters in their first game, not a perfect game, but still, I think, much more uh, emphatic of performance than a lot of people may have expected. Yeah, I think you can feel good about their chances to be competitive, especially if they can hold serve at home against the Broncos in week two. Yeah, that's the, that's the toughest game by far, I think. And most importantly, if they're going to we'll go to the conference championship game, which who knows, we could see a rematch if Boise's at the top two or even Wyoming top two. So it doesn't matter. Again, no divisions this year um, for the Mountain West. So my prediction, like they get, like the last three is pretty easy. Like CSU, you mentioned maybe. I know they lose Warren Jackson. But they still have like Dante Wright. We'll talk about that in a second here. Trey McBride, a few other players. Aggies, we'll see what they're up to. Um, we'll talk about them next week. Uh, but my record, what I have going forward, I did mention undefeated before, but I've tempered that down a bit. I have them losing to Boise and Wyoming, but going five and three, or excuse me, mm-hmm. six and two. So that's what I have for the Falcons. I think. Are you going to best my record and go higher? <laughs> we sw- we taking switching spots here. I mean, I think I'm looking back at what I what I thought about them, you know, during you know the summer, and I was a little cool on them beforehand. I still think that they might be susceptible to strong passing games. Definitely. So I think if I were to, hmm, cause originally I had them losing at home versus Boise state and then at home versus Colorado state. I kind of think that's still probably the most likely scenario. And if that were the case, then that would mean they'd end up going uh, six and two overall mm-hmm. with a, with the win already over Navy. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like the passing team, like CSU, like I mentioned, even thought, well, let's get to it now. Even without Warren Jackson, they still have Dante Wright. They still have, I like Nate Craig Myers. He's still, he'll step up a bit this year. Trey McBride, the tight end. So they have, and the quarterback, Patrick O'Brien, is really good. And so that could be a yeah. game where, think about it. I think Wyoming, just because the past couple years, they've been low scoring games. There hasn't been, especially last year, like it was, I forget, well, exactly, for exactly happened last year, but they're not a blowout when they're playing. Oh, sorry, speaking of CSU Wyoming, sorry. But, what Wyoming has, like, they're just going to run the ball. And, like, Xavier Navalde, it's like, whoever's at quarterback has been fine. We'll see what type of position, positional setup they put the quarterbacks in, like, passing, running. Because those two guys have, Chambers and Williams have different styles. Mm-hmm. I just think overall, Wyoming's a better team than CSU. However, I see your I, your points clearly there. If they pass all over them, like, losing their DBs, like, San Jose State could be a struggle, struggle with Nick Mullins throwing the ball back there. Like, with Trey Walker, like, we've seen, like, look at the games the past couple weeks. Like, there's going to be weird games, like, that are going to happen. Oh, like, yeah. Like, Arkansas is much better than people thought. Like, the ending to that game, the weirdest – did you see it happen? Like, the, they went for the snap, he, the spike, he fumbled it and spiked it backwards, but they called the play dead, and so you couldn't really recover it because the refs called it dead. Mm. It was like – there's weird stuff like Ole Miss. Look at Alabama. Their defense was garbage yesterday. They had to, they had to score 60-something points to beat Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> score like 40-something. So there's going to be some weird weird results. And so if we're completely wrong, business as usual, I guess, right? Almost in some of these games. Yeah. <laughs> so I go 6-2. and two. You have 6-2 uh, and two as well, but different conference losses. And what we're going to do next week, really quick, we'll move on to Boise real quick since we're going to order. We'll, our, our staff put our predictions already, so you can check kind of our order of finish, a little bit of our title game projections. So 
We'll talk about those more next week. So if you're wondering where that's coming from, that's later. But we go to Boise State, who, again, people get a little we're a little upset because, oh, they're in the top of your league. They're whatever. It's like, well, they've kind of earned it just because, you know, look at history. <laughs> the past I mean, yeah, I mean, 20 to years. be the best, you got to beat the best. I was surprised, though. I looked at our rankings really quick. It was It changed from four teams, I think, getting first place votes to unanimous. Did that surprise you at all? Um, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, I think there's a lot of uncertainty around a lot of teams in the conference, you know, with opt-outs, with, you know, defections, with, and, and I think kind of on the whole, you know, other than losing a couple of role players, like, you know, Jordan Happel, of course, is at Oregon now. Um, I believe he transferred over there as a grad transfer. Recently, yeah. But, you know, you look at what Boise has coming back and yeah, they had questions too coming into 2020, but you know, unlike Air Force with the turnbacks and unlike, you know, Fresno State with losing Justin Rice to Arkansas State and things like that, Boise's been relatively unscathed by a lot of those same kinds of things. The one issue they do have is running back depth. So that yeah. that, that could be an issue because you have Halani did about a thousand yards last year, eleven straight, going back to what, Doug Martin probably, something like that a long time ago. Yeah. And so Robert Mahone was already gonna be not with the team really to suspension. He transferred. But then, like, they brought in, like, some transfers. Like, uh, was it Take One Tyler? He's out with injury and with Achilles, so he's done for the year. So they, they do have only have Andrew Van Buren and Danny Smith. That's it, essentially. That yeah. may not be great because maybe Van Buren steps up and plays better than he has. But we've seen, like, recent years where the backup comes in and just they run, they play, split the carries, but then the fourth quarter, like, versus the Fresno Championship game, they bring in the starter, just roll down their throat because they're not saving the player, but they're splitting carries throughout the most mm-hmm. of the game in the fourth quarter. This guy's mostly fresh. They may not have that this year, which they're not practicing as much as they can, not contact as much as, as they are able to do this fall. So that's probably one of the biggest concerns. And we mentioned our previews, like offensive lines an issue just because uh, how many injuries last year, how many different lineups, and he lost three, including Ezra Cleveland. So these all things, if you want to go back, go check out our previews we did in the summer. They're on our feed, but they're, I'd still say, Matt, they're fairly accurate as for the team breakdowns. There might be a couple things here and there that are different, like the transfers and stuff, but there are concerns. Like the off, the biggest thing for me, offensive line, defensive line, and running back depth, but that could be made up with Hank Bachmeyer, quarterback, receivers they have returning, and then guys like in the second, like Avery Williams. And there's always seemingly one guy who kind of was a backup, played. 20, 30 steps a game comes to be a starter and can be like nearly an all-conference caliber player. And so we know their talents there. It's just, it's kind of like, who's going to be that guy? Yeah. I mean, I think that the, you know, like I mentioned a minute ago, the game against Air Force is going to be one of those inflection points. And then I think the second one is that next week, November 7th uh, at home against BYU, because I think one of the big questions that's going to revolve I guess more broadly around the Mountain West chances at a New Year's Six Bowl game is how much do you believe in BYU at this point? Because I, I know that we've talked about that. We talked about this a little bit last week about the fact that um, you know they were ranked in the top fifteen. I think in the most recent AP poll that came They're out today, we're 13. recording October eleventh. They're eleventth, right? Co- no, coaches poll is at thirteenth. Oh, I thought the AP poll had them at eleventh. Oh, let me double check them real quick while you keep going. I messed up. Let me see real quick. You keep bantering about the Cougs. But, you know, for me, it's just I, I still don't know if I necessarily believe that the Cougars are a top 15 team. Like I think it's it'll, in, oh, a lot quick. of byproduct is the fact that half of college football hasn't played yet. Is Cincy a top 10 team? No. 
No, um, I don't think so. Thirteen and I mean, fifteen. Coaches Paul thirteen, AP fifteen. They moved up. And to... they had their they had their closest game, I would say, against against Texas San Antonio, who mm-hmm. pushed you know, them around. For, for my money, is probably the best team that they played so far. Oh yeah, Navy was garbage. They crushed them. They beat um, Texas State, mm-hmm. and then they played somebody else. Um, Troy. Oh no, sorry, not Texas State. That's coming up. They beat Troy forty eight seven. They beat La Tech forty five fourteen. I thought Troy would be pretty good, but like the game yesterday, like what their hallmark was was offense, defensive line pushing guys around like crazy. UTSA mm-hmm. pushed them around, and they needed Zach Wilson to have three total touchdowns to get the victory. Like it was a closer than expected game. Like UTSA was three and one going into it, but the Roadrunners have been just kind of like kind of that threat. Like they've almost beat Arizona. They're kind of that team where they're close, but not quite there yet. And yeah. that's why I'm like the rankings are weird. It's like I don't know what to believe, and I'm glad though. College football playoff rankings got pushed back a week. Now they're doing one, or they're act nixing the first ones. They're doing, I believe, four instead of five. Like mm-hmm. UTSA beat Texas State in a shootout, fifty-one forty-eight. They barely beat Middle Tennessee State by two, and they beat an FCS team, FCSFA, by fourteen points. And they lost UAB twenty-one thirteen. So they're kind of all over the place. But with the rankings, like I don't know what to believe. Like Miami, are they? Like I was watching. I I had no. Like, I watched a little bit of that game, and, like, there's no way Miami's close in their top 10 team. Like, no, like, is UNC that good? It's like, we don't know, partly because of no non-conference games help or hurts that. So having BYU play both Boise and San Diego State, that'll give a point. But, like, if you're telling me, like, if you're looking at who's ranked and where, like, um, well, there's a lot of zero and zeros, but, like, the rankings look weird because you have Louisiana undefeated in there. They're ranked. You have Minnesota doesn't play. USC, they're ranked. You have Michigan, like, Oregon is only 12. They're probably higher. Ohio State's just six. Like, you're telling me right now, UNC and Ohio State play. Ohio State wouldn't win by three touchdowns? Yeah, I don't. I mean. Like, Cincinnati, number eight? Come on. It's like. Yeah. It's it's just hard to tell. Like, I've watched some of these games. Like, I knew Clemson. We, here's what I really know about college football right now. We'll get back to Boise State because this will impact the New York 16. I know Clemson's really good. I know Alabama's offense is good. Um. <laughs> that's about all I really know. You know what I mean? Like, I think I, I think George is pretty good, but I, I don't think Notre Dame's that great. They moved up and they barely beat who did they play this last week? Uh, were they playing UNC? No, they played. Um, shoot, I had it in front of me. Florida State. Like they beat them by sixteen points, forty two twenty six. But I don't know who's good or who's not. But I clearly I don't trust BYU being a top fifteen team. Top twenty five? Yeah, their offense looks pretty good, but. It's it's all the argument we always have met before. How good is Boise State? How good is San Diego State? How good is this Mountain West team when they're beaten mm-hmm. up on when they're when they don't have the chance? Like they'll be say eight and one, but they had that non conference power five loss to like uh Washington twenty one to thirteen. And Washington's yeah. maybe ranked or close. So it's like I know they're good. I wish they would have played better teams, which they're going to in Boise State, but I don't think they're that good. Yeah, I don't think so either. And so, boys. I mean, I think. It's, but if you're looking too. for like one other one in conference play that I think could trip them up, and I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this over the summer as well, it's that road trip to Hawaii. Yeah, possibly. Because yeah. I think because I think it's worth remembering that you know even though you know Hawaii won the West Division last year in both of their games against the Broncos, I think you could say pretty convincingly that they didn't really have their A game in both the regular season game where, you know, they committed a bunch of turnovers early and that pretty much took them out by halftime. 
And you know, in the championship game where you know they, the defense held on for, you know, two, three quarters, but the offense wasn't ever really able to get it going. And so I think that if if Todd Graham's kind of new look running on offense is able to get off to a faster start, I think, you know, that particular game could look a lot like what we saw in the San Jose State game last year, where maybe the, the defense still has a lot of questions, but they can absolutely put up points against just about anybody. And so I, I don't expect them to go on the road and lose that game. Um, I'm not really flipping anything as far as what I thought in the preseason. So, I mean, overall, I think they're going to beat BYU. I'm not a believer in the Cougars right now. Um, and I think they're going to end up running the table. So I have them going 8-0 overall. So do I. Like, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, right now, FBI is an underdog to BYU, which that could change after they play a game. But, like, they're – like, every game is 80 – basically 80% or higher, except for at yeah. Air Force at home to BYU. And so, like, I get, if I'm going to pick a trip-up game, I think Air Force could be it, just because if they have the extra back, but then again, I think Bachmeyer throws the ball like we know we can, and the receivers are there, that could counteract what Air Force does on the ground. It could be like a weird shootout where it could be Boise moves the ball well down the field, like a eight-play, four-minute four drive touchdown. Air Force mm-hmm. goes 16 plays, 13 minutes. Where they they score every time, but the end result might be like thirty one twenty eight or something. Where it's not a lot of points, but every position they had, they scored a touchdown, and mm-hmm. somebody who kicked a field goal or got the ball last wins. So if I'm gonna pick order of loss, I think Wyoming could still be tricky. Partly because it's end of the year, so it gives more time. It's on the road. If it's a night game match, we may have some weather inclement weather involved. December twelfth. I'm <laughs> just saying. That's true. That's yeah, that's you got a, that. I'm just saying. That that game. No, I totally, I totally understand. Oh, that, oh yeah. I missed one game. Sorry, Wyoming and Air Force are both sixty something percent. My my fault on that. So they have three, but okay. Wyoming, like Xavier Valade, runs very good. Like they have the talent out there. They do need to replace all those receivers. But then again, by the time you're at week whatever you want to call that, the final week of the year, they should know who they are. They have depth at quarterback if something happens. The, I trust uh, Craig Bull. But so if I'm going to pick order of likely losses, I think honestly, I think Wyoming might be their most likely loss. But I am predicting eight no. See, personally, I think I would, in, if I were choosing among those three games that I pointed out, I think that the most dangerous games are probably in order. I would say Hawaii, BYU, and then Air Force. Oh, you know, what's up with Wyoming? You're not a fan of Wyoming? I mean, with all those defections, man, it's really hard. I mean, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but you're asking a lot. You hear that, That's Cowboys fans? Right I, me, Jeremy, giving you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> It'll be tough. No, you're not wrong. Like those starters, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But eight no, which as of today, really quick, the polls, Boise's just getting votes. Like, will they? Do you think they'll be ranked before they play their first game? I don't think so. Because right now they're they're not getting zero votes in the AP poll. I mean, they're they're ranking like Big Ten teams and stuff like that, aren't they? Yeah, everybody's being ranked. So like in the yeah, everybody who's coming back can be can be ranked. Who who's, who's going to play? Or has played. So, like, if you're looking real quick in the in the uh, coach's poll, because that's where Boise's at right now, they mm-hmm. have, let's see, let me scroll through. Ohio State is ranked. You have Penn State ranked. You have Wisconsin, Oregon, Michigan, for some reason. <laughs> USC, again, for some reason. Minnesota. So, there's seven teams in the Big Ten and Pac-12 that are being ranked that haven't played yet. And then mm-hmm. when you look down, like, the other receiving votes, the next one up would be, like, Iowa, Utah, 
and then Boise State. And there's a couple of retreats. They're basically like a top 30 team, almost 32 team. Because they, I, mean, I think I think if they they ranked them in like in the twenties in the preseason, am I wrong? I um in the AP poll. Yes, I want to double check. I, I think they were. Yeah, let me see. That's where. Let me double check because I think that you could be correct. Because because if it were me and I were a voter and that were my expectations of them coming into the year, like logically, I don't see why I wouldn't try to find space for them to re-enter the polls at around that position no they were sorry they were in both preseason polls they could be anybody could be voted because it's like weird because like preseason poll utah was ranked in 2022 mm-hmm. iowa's ranked like i could see if you're at the bottom on uh, there like usc was 17 minnesota 18 michigan 15 like if you're ranked unless there's some even amazing year which there are some teams that should be deserved up like tail end but boise was 20 was 26 in coaches poll and four spots down the ap poll so they were close so they're Basically, at the moment, getting no respect to the AP poll from what they were before. And the coaches poll, they're just a couple spots behind from where they were. I mean, if that were me then, like if that ended up, like, let's put it this way. That would assume then that some people put them in the top 25, but a lot of people didn't. And so I think if I were one of those voters who thought they were a top 25 team coming into the year, then I would find a way to put them into the 20s or wherever you had them before. I could see that, but here's the teams that weren't ranked. You think about it. BYU came out of nowhere, partly because, again, circumstance. They're up higher, and the voting is, oh, you win, you move up. And But you have BYU in there. You have SMU, Louisiana, Kansas State. Uh, Coastal Carolina is getting votes very close. Marshall's up there. So there's a couple teams here and there that are out, out overachieving Iowa State. So – you would try that. I thought they'd just be closer, but you're. I don't. I don't think they'll be ranked because what it will take would be teams losing. Like if teams with O and O records aren't going to fall out, unless you're like maybe USC or Minnesota. It's like mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. That's why it's so hard. Like freaking Cincinnati is top ten team. Like I don't buy that either. Like how can anybody in the Mountain West, whether it's Boise State or San Diego State or Air Force or any team that goes undefeated, how can you catch Cincinnati? Like it's going to be nearly impossible unless they lose like twice. They probably will. Okay, that's actually they probably will. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I just like I said, I just I don't see it. That's all I'm saying. No, I agree. That's what I'm saying with you. It's like they were ranked high. Other, uh, the only way this what'll be it fascinating. Like I know we're spending a lot of time on just randomness here, but I think that one of the most fascinating things will be the October 25th poll because you'll have the Big Ten and Mountain West back, and then mm-hmm. you'll have unfortunately three weeks later, essentially until Pac-12. So that'll be an interesting poll. Like, if the Mountain West does well, the Big Ten, what they do, that'll be a big sign because I don't have their schedule, but that'll be another big shakeup because we actually have games for teams that are, like, in the top ten. And we'll see how it goes, too, when the SEC or AC, – I don't care about ACC, but Big 12's already beating each other up. SEC will probably do the same. Like, watch Arkansas beat, like, Texas A&M or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm. <laughs> that could happen. So, I don't know. We'll see. If Undefeated Boise should be there, but we'll see. All right, so let's move on. we got we got to hurry up here. Colorado State, Matt. Um, we already mentioned no Warren Jackson and there's no indication or word he's returning. He's even though some guys have, how big of a loss is that for them to have a, let's say a winning record? Well, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that they've had to replace a thousand yard receiver in recent memory. It's like every year almost. <laughs> I think that, you know, the big question I think is, you know, how are they going to divide, you know, the targets that they, that, that would have gone to him. You know, because I think that means that they're going to be counting upon, you know, more guys like, you know, like EJ Scott or Nico Hall, who, 
you know, they've, we've, we've kind of been waiting for the breakout from the last couple of years. And then, of course, last year, Dante Wright ended up being the one that kind of came out of nowhere as a, as a freshman. Mm. So, I mean, I don't think that it's impossible for them to be as potent uh, in the passing game. But I think that, you know, you remove the number one target from any offense in this conference. And there's still going to be a question about how, you know, everybody else is either going to step up or not. No, oh, yeah. I think... My like I I maybe I was a year too early. I thought last year Nate Craig Myers would be like the star of the team, right, with War Jackson, and maybe this is his chance. That's one possibility, right? Yeah, because I mean he was like their third or fourth option, but you know there were a lot of games where I think we we expected him and I have a bigger role, and you know in terms of you know the share of of receptions that he ended up with, it was maybe a little lower than we thought it would be in the preseason. So here's some issues for CSU. This is the school I kind of complain about because nobody has access to the team, maybe because the uh, investigation that sort of ended about the uh, racial allegation was kind of like a mixed bag, what came out from that. So we're not going to get to that mm-hmm. now. But they already have some issues with uh, COVID players testing positive for COVID that are kind of in and out. But here's the issue right now. now I don't believe it's related to that or it's bold. The offensive line is an issue. They might have to play six or seven fresh, mostly freshmen to rotate that's not good. <laughs> and Patrick O'Brien better be they, like uh, Steve Adagio. They better have quick passing routes for this because if you have an offensive line that's had a lot of mostly freshman guys out there over ha- like six or seven, that's like you're full too deep. You know what I mean? Like unless it's a mm-hmm. guy who plays a thir- the, the third deep who might come in who knows how many plays, but Patrick O'Brien better be ready. They better make a play calling, like mix in play action, maybe have a, a tight end block. I don't even know if they have a fullback in the roster. Who knows? But that could be an issue of getting this team going. And we know Dodger wants to run the ball. And can he run the ball with so few offensive linemen with the experience with no couple spring practices, if, especially with their true freshmen? I know they get this month right now to practice, but they're not at practice much. Like, we'll get to Fresno State. They're having one only, only one scrimmage. All these schools are having just one scrimmage. CSU had one recently. And all, all Dodgers even said, like, the execution's not there. Um they're just under a lot of duress right now because of how you can practice and what. So they're just not efficient, he said, and execution's out there, and that's not good. And clearly, it may still coach speak the motivated guys, but if it's like, I don't know if the Rams are having two scrimmages because there's a possibility teams are doing two to get that game day atmosphere or at least full practice atmosphere out there. He's like, good effort, good attitude. Um, it's good to do full-speed football, I'm saying, but he's like, he's like this actually said, we're not ready for that right now. And so the teams that have experienced coaches, experienced players are going to be the best, and the Rams don't have that, and that's why I'm not quite sure how good they'll be this year. So what you're saying is there's a capacity for them to be more uneven than we might have thought over the summer. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, I can definitely understand that that logic. Because, like, looking at their – let me pull up the FPI here because what they have, like – I still think they could be good, like – the offense, I think they have the skilled position players to be one of the better offenses, even without Warren Jackson. Like, but right now, like FPI has them only favored in three games. FPI is kind of weird for me this year. Like, their favorite versus New Mexico, I get being on a slight underdog at Fresno, a little shocking to me with Fresno not having a quarterback yet and defense, new coach, which the Rams still do as well. But like, they're like home to Wyoming, thirty percent chance to win. Like. At San Diego State, twenty six percent. I these numbers seem a bit odd, but like I think for me, their ceiling might be a five hundred record this year. I mean, I think we, I think we both were kind of on the same page over the summer that if they wanted to reemerge as as bowl 
eligible kinds of uh, players or you know, to be a, a competitor for the Mountain Division title that we would, they were probably going to have to win a lot of shootouts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, if their offense isn't at its peak in the way that I think we might have expected it to kind of to hum along uh, over the summer, you know, not only missing its best piece, but just the truncated kind of warm up to the season period, then I think that that may make them more susceptible to some of the stronger defenses in the league. And so, like, you know, I look at like their matchup against San Diego State, for instance, you know, I think. If I remember correctly, I thought they would have won that game last year, and then San Diego State came out and shut them down. Like they didn't necessarily need to do much on offense for the Aztecs to win that game pretty handily. And so that's the kind of game where you know I had concerns about it before, and you know I feel better about the fact that the Aztecs could win that game. So if you know if the offense is uneven, like going into the season, I thought they would be pretty easily better than 500. I think I had them at eight and four in the preseason, but, you know, without the benefit of, you know, maybe a softer non-conference schedule and with the the possibility of a more erratic offense, I kind of see them being like a four and four or five or five and three type of team. Five and three. Okay. So what are those, uh, if, if you're at the higher end, what are the, like, how's that schedule play? What are the losses? Well, I have the same three losses as before. Uh, Wyoming at Boise State at San Diego State. So they're beating Air Force on the road. Uh, yes. Interesting. Like I, I'm going with four and four. Like I see they beating New Mexico because I think that's kind of a. I don't want to say it's a given, but the all signs point to the beating the Lobos. Um, I have them winning on the road at Fresno, but lose, but and then beating UNLV and Utah State. So like I have air, all the road, a lot of the road games. Boise. Because the schedule's not easy also. Look at that. Like, at Boise, at Air Force, at San Diego State. Like, their three toughest games are away from home. So, I Yeah, and I think that they're coming to Fresno for the second straight year. I know we mentioned that with, uh, with was it was Boise and UNLV? Yeah, some quirks like quirks like that where it's uh, you're going on the road or whatever, hosting multiple years in a row. But that's I where mean, I think that there's, there's definitely the capacity to disappoint. I think that they, they could lose that game at Fresno State at mm-hmm. Air Force. Yeah, they, they could, could lose a game at, you know, at home against Utah State. Yeah, the Utah State game, like, people, like, there's some guys who always go to Twitter, they're going to finish higher than this team. I'm like, I don't know. Utah State, like, I'm high in their running game, like, especially now they have Dante Henry Cole and then also Jalen Warren. But, like, Jason Shelley, will, or Shelley, what he'll do at QB, I don't know. Defense wasn't really that good. And then Utah State, we'll get to, they had three players opt out, two in the secondary. And so, who knows that something to do with Gary Anderson's comments or miscommunication or rehashing what he actually said or didn't say. We talked about that last week, but... I'm I pretty confident they they'll beat Utah State because it's at home. Whatever home road doesn't matter. If you had five thousand fans, who cares? But like I could definitely see them. Like everybody's bowl eligible, but in the Mountain West, if we're being serious, you probably got to win five games to go to a bowl game at least. Mm-hmm. Because there's they already lost to Hawaii Bowl. The Cheez It or whatever the bowl in Arizona is. Didn't the Cheez It Bowl change names for sponsors for somewhere else? Like isn't there a bowl in Florida now? The Cheez It Bowl. Oh, I don't remember that off the top of my head. I'm just wondering. <laughs> but the bull, the Cheez the Bull in Arizona has been a backup for the Mountain West. That's not going to happen, assuming teams can play, just because if a Pac 12 and Big 12 team are, can play, they'll play because right now, Matt, everybody's bull eligible. But mm-hmm. I think five wins is what you would need minimum, which makes sense. And then depends who you beat. But like, I just don't see, like, if I'm going to go opti- like super optimistic for CSU, like if they had Warren Jackson, my record still may not change all that much. It'd probably be about the same, but like if I'm looking at what they can really do, 
Like, I might like I could see them the way they pass beat, beating Air Force and may maybe Wyoming. But like my best case scenario is five and three, but I'm sticking with four and four here. Yeah, I mean it's five and three, but it's a very perilous five and three. I'll That'll say that. All right, so your Fresno State Bulldogs, Matt, they have a quarterback competition going on. Mm-hmm. Washington transfer Jay Kaner and third year sophomore Ben Woldridge. They yeah. have a scrimmage next week. Um and a new head coach, uh, Kalen DeBoer, wants to have a, a QB named basically just over a week, about 10 days before their opening game, to have a cohesiveness and working with receivers. Mm-hmm. Do you have any leaning preference for that? I mean, I think I, I know I mentioned this before. You know, Woolridge, I think he's been able to stay in the competition because he's generally been familiar with the. the the offense that Ryan Grubb has run over the last couple of years, like he's been in the system, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so I think the fact that it's neck and neck means that maybe there are no wrong decisions because I'm very, I, I mean, I think I said this before, but I'm optimistic about the offense's chance to, to be competitive in a lot of games. Be. To me, the question was always, you know, how are they going to look on defense? And we know they're going to be running a four two five under William Inge. And we know that they've definitely got some athleticism, you know, on the back end, I would say, you know, in the, in the defensive backfield at linebacker. But, you know, are they going to be able to generate a pass rush consistently to help them out? Are they going to be able to stand up against the run game? Um, so, I mean, I think that they've definitely got some pressing questions on on that side of the ball that leads me to think that they may have some trouble against teams that are willing to try to beat them up up front. Yeah, also, one thing, too, I was reading over the first note, be like, um, we'll get to the more stuff, but like, their offensive line doesn't look very good this year because they mentioned they had four different starters at least one game last year at, like, in, or left guard, three started the game at left tackle, three at center, three at right they guard. They had massive injury yeah. issues on the offensive and that line can, last year. And that's part of the reason why I don't blame the quarterback, Jorge Reynas, last year about how good or bad he was. It was It's a tough situation. Like, if that can get stabilized, like, you're right, the quarterback, I can see them playing both because this is a year where – you're going to need the depth for obvious health reasons, but also typical football injury reasons. If you're not playing football or tackle football as often during practices, you will be seeing the NFL injuries the first month. A lot of season-ending injuries, guys out for three to six weeks. If you have like a high angle sprain, you can be done for a year after week two because the season's so yeah, short. Because, so, yeah, because I, I still think that they'll be able to score with just against just about anybody. And I think especially in the early parts of the schedule where you've got back-to-back home games against Hawaii and Colorado State, those look like games where they're going to have to put up 30 points at least to try and win that game. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, on the road at UNLV seems like one of the more winnable games on the schedule. But then, you know, after that at Utah State, you know, Utah, the Aggies are no pushover. Neither are the Spartans. Um, you know, they lost that game against the Spartans last year. And so I think there's a capacity for them to, you know, to me, a lot of their early parts of the schedule, like maybe the first five games feel like a lot of coin flips outside of UNLV. So I can see the capacity for them to make a run and really set up that game against the Aztecs in November as being kind of maybe the a play-in game for one of those two spots in the championship game. But I could also see it going the other way, too, where the defense can't make enough stops for them. And they're continually playing catch up and losing a lot of like 40 to 35 games or something like that. No, I totally agree. Like I have I'll get to my record in a minute, but their schedule plays up nicely. Like if you look at who they're playing, like Hawaii is not very difficult. CSU, even the first five games you mentioned, those are all winnable games. Like they could 
I don't have this, but they could start five and zero. Oh. I would not yes. be I would not be overly surprised if they're undefeated going to hosting San Diego State, which like you mentioned, could be to determine the well not well I guess we can't say that division title, but basically for one of the top two spots, that game could could be one of the place the games that get you into either one or two position. Mm-hmm. And one thing I want to mention, I read through the first note B, I don't know how much I agree with this. Because I went through the Mountain West preseason rankings, or not rankings, but the uh, they do the one team deep. Look at our three team deep. We didn't have a Fresno State receiver, but they seem to think this receiving group could be one of the best in the conference. I'm having a hard time. Just saying, because you don't know their names, I know. I'm just, just because the average Mountain West fan doesn't know their names, know. I'm totally with them on that. Okay. Because because you you saw glimpses of it last year with guys like you know Jalen Cropper, for instance. I think was maybe the best possible mm-hmm. example of that. You know, a guy like Zane Pope looked like a guy who could be a, a reliable possession receiver, a guy, a, a more of a Keyshawn Johnson type where maybe he's not, you know, flashy, but, you know, he can get the job done and he can be a really kind of workman-like receiver. And then other guys you know, like Emory Edwards, who was a guy I was really high on going into last year, you know, he didn't see as much work because he was working his way back from injury early in the year, but he could be in line for a bigger role. And that's three guys right there. I think what it could be is that, like I'm looking at last year's like CFP stats, like receptions per game, yards per game. They have a lot of guys like in the later part of the conference, like after like top twenty, outside of Zane Pope, like mm-hmm. they, they, they like Ronnie Rivers don't really count him because running back, just receivers only. But they've had guys like a bunch of guys. There just hasn't been like an amazing guy like Elijah Cooks or Khalil Shahir or Don Terry at the top of the conference. The depth wise, mm-hmm. like, I see overall. I could see it be one of the better ones. Like if their CSU had Warren Jackson, I still think they're better than Fresno even without him. But I don't. The best. I'm not going to say it yet. But the depth wise, that's like like look. I'm not going to compare it to Hawaii because the production wasn't there. But the amount of players they have who are co- consistently catching the ball and playing well is similar to Hawaii in that they have it could be anybody any week who is who is this the best receiver on the team. They may not put yeah. up huge Hawaii numbers just because the offense, but they. There, you can't just focus on one or two guys. And so if those all those guys stay healthy and say one breaks out with like, uh, let's see, if you play eight games, if you get, what would be a good season, eight games, 40, 45 catches, five catches a game, is that good? I don't yeah, know. I would say so. I, I'm trying to figure out the numbers now with a shortened season, not to figure out what's what's really good. But last year, like if, you, if they're to average four and a half catches per game, that puts them about a top 10 receiver. Mm-hmm. So if they have one guy who does that, and everybody else levels up a little bit because again they don't have Jared Rice this year anymore. They lost a couple senior receivers. It's uh, and that's that note could just kind of surprise me. But clearly, the people who Fresno being yourself know Fresno more than I do. Depth wise, I could see it being there. But as for the best, I'm going to be take a wait and see approach overall. I mean, I think that if you just want to think in terms of like last year's numbers, you know, by, by passer rating last year they were sixth in the conference. You know, by you know, completion percentage, I, I'm trying to sort right now, they were actually number one hmm. in the conference last year. So in some ways they were average, in some ways they were above average. You know, in terms of yards per attempt, they were closer to the middle of the pack. I would be very surprised if they didn't rebound at least a little bit with all of the returning production they have in the passing game. Obviously quarterback's a big question, but I think with all the pieces around him, including Rivers, who's one of the more do-it-all running backs in the conference, yeah. They should be competitive week in and week out. I just think that the defensive questions might hamstring them a little more than a lot of other people. I think it's going to take another year for them to be 
to really reestablish himself as like top tier contenders. Well, they also don't have the pot potentially for the uh, Sun Belt player of the year playing defense anymore. That's that good. too. <laughs> that doesn't help. Which is, which is why I have them going three and five overall. Oh, three and five. Interesting. So I think I think they'll they're never going to be out of the fight. Let's put it that way. But I think that they're likely to lose a lot of close games. So what's their three because way? They, because because the defense can't make one or two more stops. What's the th- what? Sorry. What's your three wins then? Uh, I have it at UNLV, home versus San Diego State, at New Mexico. That's a weird three victories you have there. <laughs> a little bit. But it I, was more or less what I had going into the season as well. I Like I mentioned, like when I mentioned they could be 5-0, and I'm serious. They could be 5-0. and um, But what I'm going at, I have them at 4-4. Four and four. I think I'm going to have everybody 4-4 four and four, so on that. I think that's what it's going to come down to it. Um, it's very egalitarian of you. It could be. Um, Hawaii, a loss. CSU, a loss. Uh, and then I have also San Diego State and at Nevada. So those are the four losses I have. But like, if you look, get really quick, if you look at FPI, like every game's nearly a, the only game that's the outlier is San Diego State, where it's thirty five percent chance. Everything else is between forty and fifty five, fifty eight. I don't get this, Matt. How are they seventy percent chance favored to beat Hawaii? That seems way too high to me. That is a really good question. I figured maybe sixty or even the fifties. That's like their most likely victory of the year. I don't know. That's good for them. That's fine. It's just odd. But I have them four and four, and you have them five, three and five, right? Uh, yes. All right. To wrap up these two teams, we got Hawaii. We've already mentioned a bunch of Hawaii. Um, I guess the big news for Hawaii is um, we know the we know we know what they got. They got the quarterback. They we'll see what um, receivers can do because they lost of a bunch of guys last year, like uh, Cedric Bird. Um, who else they lose? Is Jared Smart still on the team? I should know this. He's the leading returning receiver. That's right. Yeah. He is the leading returning receiver. Somebody else I'm missing. But they have uh, the North Texas transfer coming in. They have a new head coach. They have a team that can't switch quarterbacks every time now with uh, Cole McDonald. Unfortunately, a free agent in the NFL, I believe, at the moment. Well, they could, but it doesn't seem quite so. I'm just saying, not like last year, right? I'm just, just put it out there. So what do you want to see from why? Like, I guess what Todd Graham does, so, right? So here's a here's a question I had, like, because I was I was looking at you know some of the changes between the the schedule that they were coming into the year with versus what they ultimately ended up with. Does anybody benefit more than Hawaii from the renewed schedule? Um, what's the difference? Is I didn't look that deep into the schedule because to me the big difference is they 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 lose Air Force and they get Wyoming instead. I don't think that's a big deal. Was it Air Force at home though? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was at Air Force, and then and instead they go to Laramie, which you know, a going back to back road games to start the year at Fresno and at Wyoming isn't necessarily a gimme. But I think that if you're if you're a Warriors fan, expecting them to you know come out, you know, firing on on especially on the offensive side of the ball, to me they're kind of like the flip side of what we just talked about a minute ago with the Bulldogs, where. You know, yeah, they still have some defensive questions, but I think you can feel better about their offense coming together and being, you know, carrying them to more victories. I, I, I don't, I don't see how that benefits their schedule all that much. Just with swapping Air Force Wyoming, I think Wyoming might be a tougher, almost a tougher game, almost. Because, because to me, I think it really comes down to those two games right in the middle of the schedule at San Diego State at at home versus Boise. Yeah, those are tough. And then they go to Nevada, they host Nevada the week after those three games actually. Hmm. So that will be very difficult uh, 
to see this. This is gonna be weird. Like, there's gonna be four games we predict that are ever gonna happen, Matt. <laughs> At I mean, least, it's probably true. <laughs> I mean, to me, I just I feel like you know, I I was kind of I, I was thinking about Hawaii and how it was really hard for me to to predict them going into the season, but I think. I would say that they're probably in that same boat, like we talked about with Boise a little bit ago, where relative to some of the other big headlines that have that have captured other teams, mm-hmm. you know, as far as losing players, Hawaii is another one of those teams that's intact. So they are. even though, yeah, so even though they're they're breaking in a lot of young guys on defense, even though they're breaking in basically an entire new receiving core outside of Jared Smart. I think the you know the coaching staff that they put together there it, to me is maybe the the most fascinating one in the entire conference, and I just I'm looking at it now. I'm more optimistic about them now than I was back in like June and July. Interesting, because also you're kind of honest because Todd Graham's everywhere he's gone, he's never really had a bad season. Like he yeah. maybe had a bumpy year one, I think when he was at Rice. I want to say his first year. I don't remember if it was one year or two years there, but like Rice has been garbage. Took him to bowl game before he went to Tulsa, then Pitt, then ASU, and now here to Hawaii. Uh, mm-hmm. I have them winning four games. I have, again, like I said, everybody apparently is winning four games today for me, except for Boise State. Um, you're the only, they are intact a bit. Like Rico Buzzy coming in for North Texas will be really good. Um, quarterback should be fine. Running game, um, they have guys there. I think the defense and and here's the thing, Todd Graham. It's this. I I kind of say this hire sort of like San Diego State promoting Brady Hoke, and that mm-hmm. Todd Graham has been enough programs, experienced enough, experienced enough coach, and he's not a coach that's. It's like when we talk about hires in the Mountain West, you're either getting a fired guy from a P5 who was terrible, or not terrible but not good, or some up and comer at a really good program with no head coaching experience or very little. Todd Graham was like going to Arizona State with not having a losing record, if I recall. Wasn't he seven to yeah, five? And so the yeah, co- I can't recall if we talked about this ex- anywhere except on Twitter. But you know, Hawaii and San Diego State, which we'll talk about more in next week's podcast, are kind of two sides of the same coin. In that, you know, by FEI and by SP Plus, they both project the Warriors to be basically a top fifty offense and a bottom ten defense. And, you know, we, 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 of course, had conversations with some of the San Diego State fans on Twitter being like, okay, we're not going to have a top or a bottom five offense. Probably not, and, but. You know, but the same thing is true of both the San Diego State offense and the Hawaii defense, where even if they're just like slightly below average, that's really, I think, it's all it's going to take for them to be a real factor in this race to the top. Mm-hmm. And if, if I were a Warriors fans, like I said, I'm a little more optimistic about their chances the way the schedule sets up than I would have been a couple months ago. We'll see. So you have them at four and four, right? Yeah, I have them beating. Here's my the wins. Fres, or I go. I guess to go losses. Loss at Wyoming. Loss at San Diego State. To Boise State. And a little surprise. I have them losing at San Jose State. I've got them seven and one. Whoa, seven and one. I think. That, I wow, think. Oh boy. I think they're going to lose to Boise, which we'll talk, which we talked about a little bit ago. Yeah. But I can see them. I can see the offense coming together and really carrying them past everybody else. That's that's. This is your team. So people hop on now because you usually go these turnaround teams. Not that Hawaii's turning around anything there in the title game last year. I mean, like I said, I think being able to swap out Air Force for Hawaii, Wyoming is a really big deal for them and their chances to kind of snag one of those two spots. Interesting. Here's one of the things again. F, FPI being weird. Like I. 
San Jose State, which they've played some classic games back and forth, those two teams the past couple mm-hmm. of years, they're giving Hawaii only a one one in three chance to beat San Jose State. That seems extremely weird. Mm-hmm. Way low. But like they're giving like fourteen percent to beat Wyoming, four fifteen percent San Diego State. Only 29% to beat Fresno State. All those have in common are road games. And it seems like the road games, like FPI's formula for some reason, is anybody on the road, is you're basically not going to win. Because every road game is very low. Like 33%, 14%, 29% versus Fresno State. Boise is at home in 2017, but 7-1, that's that's pretty surprising. Why the confidence level, really quick, uh, of only losing the one game to Boise? I mean, I think the way the way things have looked in the college football landscape these days, I'm just kind of more I'm leaning into those things where I know that they're intact and I know that they're likely to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we talked about it with Boise as far as them being relatively unscathed, uh, as far as losing big players. You know, we talked about it a little bit with, you know, Fresno State. You know, they may not have a lot of big names, but they should have a lot of talent on offense. And, you know, with Air Force and their offensive line and their their depth at tailback and stuff like that, to me, Hawaii is in that same boat where, you know, we know they have the quarterback. We know that they've got, you know, a legion of skill position players. And, you know, even if the defense it may be shaky at times, they've got a lot of experience coming back there. And... Like I said, it's not going to take them a huge jump on defense for them to be super competitive, which is why I'm kind of forecasting. I don't think they're going to be a top – or excuse me, a bottom 10 defense, I guess is what I'm saying overall. No, I think if I'm going to pick a differing games to win, like they – obviously they could be San Jose State. So I put them at six for me. Um, or no, sorry, one, two, three, uh, five, sorry. Maybe Wyoming, maybe – I don't know. I just – I trust Wyoming more than others, so we'll see. But let's get to our final team here, Nevada. The Wolfpack, which are still trying really hard to get fans to the stand, I've been told or heard. Probably not going to happen. We'll see. Um, they are a team, I think you and I both earlier during the summer, put them as a team that could tempt for the West Division title because of quarterback returning, running back returning, um, defensive players, all the guys they have in the team that are coming back. Like They're returning. I don't have the percentage in front of me, but returning talent, I think they're reasonably high, and that's and an experienced coach, which is like we said all along, we'll probably say a bunch. Experienced team, ex- returning coach is pro- is going to be likely success for your program to not have any bonehead plays or hiccups along the way. You're you're ready to go. Yeah, and I mean just to kind of reiterate what we talked about, or what to me was one of the big sticking points with the Wolfpack over the summer was last year. In a lot of respects, they were lucky to get to where they were. And the way that I was forecasting them was to turn some of that luck into like actually being consistent and being good more often than they were last year. You know, and to me, that's like the difference between winning by three at the buzzer against Purdue, for instance, and then going on the road and losing by like 69 points at Oregon or losing at home by 49 points to Hawaii. I, I would be very surprised if we saw that on a on a near weekly basis from, from Jay Norvell on the Wolfpack again, especially since, you know, as we talked about with Hawaii, I think that Nevada's early schedule really puts them in a good position to get out to a fast start there, too. Like, you know, we, you talked about the fact that you could see Fresno State getting out to a 5-0 start. I could see the same from the Wolfpack, you know, because 
you know, I think I'm assuming we'll talk about this more next week when we talk about the Cowboys, but um, I feel like their home game against Wyoming to start with is a little, is a lot less daunting than it appeared, you know, a couple months ago. Yeah. You know, they get UNLV early. Um, and even though that's on the road, you know, you're looking at a Rebels team that's rebuilding on both sides of the ball. You know, home versus Utah State at New Mexico. Yeah. To me, I would be I would be very disappointed as a, as a Nevada fan if they didn't get off to a four and zero start. Interesting. Do and, we, um, really good. Do we recall what players were suspended after that UNLV game? Were their suspensions handed out? Oh, well, didn't they? Didn't most of them serve that during the bowl game? I'll look and see why you're talking about that. We'll get that soon enough. But to me, it's really that game at home against San Diego State in November in, in week five that's going to be, you know, telling of where the trajectory of their season ultimately ends up. Because if they can beat the Aztecs, then it's a big deal. You know, you know, then you know them, and then the uh, the road game after that at Hawaii to me are kind of the two biggest potential obstacles between them and an undefeated run. You think they can go undefeated? I think there's yeah, I do. Man, am I? Let me ask you this. I, th- I think relative to a lot of other teams in the conference, the, the way this you know the fact that they don't get to play Boise State or they don't have to play the Broncos. You know, it already did them a huge favor with and, the regular schedule. And no Air Force also. Yeah, no Air Force. Um, I mean, I don't think they were set to play Air Force anyway. I just general, setup. but yeah. Um, but, you know, they get a lot of their tough – they got a lot of their easiest games at the front, which is not what you could have said before. Because, you know, in the original schedule, they get San Diego State in Hawaii, at Hawaii. Those are their first two conference games. And now all of a sudden the, the script is sort of flipped where – you know, they have a real chance to establish their breakthrough, which I think is what a lot of people, myself included, really expected of them this year. Okay, for the for the suspensions really quick, since I found it here, the only player serving a two-game suspension that will carry over because most of them were one game for the bowl matchup versus Ohio, you have mm-hmm. um, Austin Arnold is suspended two games. Okay. So he'll miss the opener versus Wyoming. So not as many as I thought. I thought it could be more than one, so I was just curious. So, mm-hmm. But you're not wrong. Like, the schedule... It's in the grand scheme of things, it's not very difficult overall for them to have a good chance. Like, whatever you want to say about home or road games this year, it's how much the impact. Like, look at Tay real quick. I don't know if you saw something. Just now, the Raiders went on the road and beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Yeah. And so that's usually like one of the biggest home field advantages in call in NFL, even with whatever 6,000 fans they had. So that's a, one thing to tell you home field may not mean as much. So, but then again, yeah, and in and in terms of and in terms of what I was expecting to be their strength going into the season, you know, I look at the advanced metrics, you know, being SP plus and FBI, they have the Wolfpack as uh, 115th on offense mm, by SP plus and 118th low. on uh, you know on, on offense by FBI. To me, that is severe <laughs> underrating. You know, I think that they are likely to be closer to the national average, you know, and and think they're in kind of the same boat that Hawaii is, where I think we were both expecting the the offense to kind of lead the way for both the Warriors and the Wolfpack. And it could be that if things break both of their ways, that it's that game in Honolulu in in the, I think, the third to last week of the season that could be one of those inflection points where there's a spot in the championship game on the line. Or it definitely could, because... The, the getting Wyoming week one with the schedule they have, or not schedule, but the returning talent they have, or lack of, I should say, is the perfect time to get them. And so I don't have that as a win, but I could easily see that being a victory for Nevada. 
Like again, mm-hmm. returning quarterback, returning head coach, returning running back. Like look at like they return like the key positions of what you want to do to be a successful team. And again, like like I said a million times, like if you have returning talent and coach, it's like and quarterback, any returning talent you have is going to be an amazing deal for your team. Like Elijah Cooks, you know what I mean? Like Romeo Dobbs is back. It's like they have like everybody back to skill positions. Maybe I need to readjust my pick here, Matt. Maybe I'm maybe I'm going to make my pick change. What um, I'm going to do it. I am more excited about Nevada than I chose. I'm changing Wyoming to a victory. Okay. Um, that's about it, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> because let's well, you know that's better than nothing. Well, also I'm thinking like they have only point one percent chance to go undefeated, which is fine. Maybe I'm thinking too. Am I thinking too high in San Diego State? We'll talk about them next week, but in our in our power pool, I put them number two. Is San Diego State? Am I giving them too much of a benefit of the doubt? All I'm going to say for now is that it depends entirely on your perspective about their offense. <laughs> I'm not a fan of their offense. So I don't know really. I like their defense. So, but I here's what I have right now. I'm, I make the switch now because schedule is very favorable. So I have them. They got Wyoming win. Don't get the cannon back. Utah State's not very good. At New Mexico, they should win. I think I'd put San Diego State as a toss-up game. And same as Hawaii, but I already saw Hawaii. So I have them at 6-2. and two With the Aztecs. I've got them one. at 7-1. and one. What's your one loss again? What was it? That would be uh, at home versus Boise. Or, excuse me. I, I, was, that's, I was thinking. I was looking at the wrong line. Excuse me. I'm looking at my spreadsheet. Uh, on the road at Hawaii. At Hawaii. Excuse me. Okay. So your seven to one could be you're almost putting your hand here. Who did you have eight no again? Air Force, um, Boise. Anybody else undefeated? Uh, not right now. You had team. Who was the team with one loss? You had was that your? Uh, that was Hawaii. See if Hawaii one loss. Okay, okay. I'm just making sure. See when we're out here. So all right, just wondering. All right, so I have Nevada. Really could go one more time. Six and two. You had them at seven to one. Yes. Interesting. The tiebreakers and who you play and didn't play is going to be fascinating, right? Once it really will. Yeah. So if you missed any of that, like we talked about last week, I won't do it now because we're just over the hour mark. We're going to wrap it up. Basically, in short right now, to be eligible for the title game, you have to play a certain number of – the whole league has to play a certain number of games. Mm-hmm. So right now, if every if schedule goes as planned, you can only play six conference games. So Air Force is kind of on the bubble there. But if you more and more games game gets canceled, that lowers that threshold. So Air Force surely needs more games to play at the moment. But go back and listen to it. We wrote a piece about it. It just basically breaks down an average per, um, I guess, total, excuse me, total number of games divided by teams or something like that. So go check it out. It takes a minute. But, Matt, that's our first half of our revised schedule preview. If you want to hear our more in-depth re- previews on these teams, check our feed. I may bump them up again this next week or so with the season starting soon. I would say – they're mostly accurate. Air Force One's a little wild because we did it before the Donald Hammond news came out. So that one may be uh, – you can kind of skip that one, I guess. That's okay. But I did, we did add an addendum to it. But go check those out. We'll be back next week to do the other half of the teams. And then, Matt, we have to do some sort of a – is it week one preview we're doing, I guess, that we're calling? I don't know. Well, we still got time to figure that out. <laughs> November, October 24th, football. <laughs> there you go we'll figure something out what it is but we'll we'll be back next week again if you like the show awesome subscribe tell a friend mwr.com and also matt you said on twitter so it's official it's the top 50 resuming this week yeah that is correct okay you up for the challenge yes okay perfect (laughs) all right so check out the top 50 countdown we'll 
we'll send that out again because we went to about what are we at right now? 15, 16, somewhere in that range. Uh, yeah, where I believe the next one is number 16. Okay, so look out for that shortly. And everything else, Mountain related, we'll have more football projections and preview type stuff going on. And yeah, we'll see you next time, folks.